All right. Welcome to this episode of Claimed, where I'm interviewing Quasi, um, one of my good friends. We met through a business mastermind, and he's been one of the guys that I've been really kind of admiring from the side. I think, Quasi, what you're doing with your business is great. Obviously, what you're doing for your clients is amazing. And I know you're a YouTuber as well. And I think you got married like last year or something. You bought a house and all of that. And so, no. <laughs> like, like three and a half years ago. Oh, three and a half years ago. Okay, sorry. Yeah, but we actually had the wedding last year. and in, in, uh, Actually, not last year, the, the year before. So Got in it. 2021, November, we had the actual wedding. We couldn't have the wedding due to COVID. Right, right. Sorry. Yeah, I got my my timeline mixed up. But anyways, I wanted to invite you to the podcast because as I was telling you before we started recording, um, I feel like, you know, women need to hear from just regular guys about dating, what you think of women, what just this whole thing and what it means for you to be a man and all of that. So, well, first of all, do you want to introduce yourself and <laughs> tell us who you are and what you do before we begin? Sure. I'm Quasi Joe here. Um, I run a company called realitycreator.com where we help people who are professionals and entrepreneurs who want to grow in their careers, who want to transition out into business and grow their and scale bit their business as well. We help them move forward in their careers and, and businesses through shifting their identity, through leveling up their mindset. But we primarily do this through using uh, methods of manifestation reality creation, understanding more subtler dynamics of how reality is created through the power of our minds. Just to summarize it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Maybe we should touch upon that and how that plays into into relationships because I know you probably use some of the techniques. I know you have some videos on your YouTube channel about, you know, how I manifested my wife and all of that. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Those are all clickbait. Those are all clickbait. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So my first question to you, Kwasi, is actually, I'm, I'm curious, what motivated you to say yes to this invitation from me? I feel like, you know, I, I love what you do. And um, when you talked about, there's a lot of dis- disillusionment, I think that's the word. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of women, a lot of men too, um, they kind of get brainwashed by society and what they're seeing right now by different movements that are out there. And uh, the, the truth kind of gets lost in all of it. And I feel, I, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if 100% of this is true or not. I feel like a lot of people, um, couples are having trouble nowadays. And a lot of people, I think a lot more people are single. And I'm pretty sure I saw statistics, uh, some, some study or something. There's a lot less people having sex now. You know, it's just like, Men and women, people in general have forgotten how to communicate with each other. And, you know, a lot of, we get a lot of clients too who come in, they're like, hey, you know, I would like to have a happier relationship. I would like to uh, get over my divorce. So I'm seeing like a lot of these problems and they're a lot more prevalent today than, you know, even five, 10 years ago. So uh, I would love to discuss that, you know, even understand what you think about it because, because you're a coach too and you see a lot of this with women. Yeah. And uh, I was recently talking to one of my clients about this. She was, she really enlightened me on, on like some of the beliefs and like what I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say proper, but there is some, some dynamic of the masculine feminine, which, which, you know, helps you have a, have a healthier relationship if yeah. you understand them. Yeah. And so when you say, I'm curious, when you say the truth gets lost in all of this, you know, the movements that we're seeing today and all of that. What do you mean by that? Like when you say the truth, what is the truth, yeah. Quasi? 
It's a good question. Um, <laughs> Tell us what is the truth. I think there's like, from what I what I'm seeing, it's like when there's a movement, it's great when it starts off, but then it starts to spiral out of control. For example, and this is probably going to be controversial, but I think uh, the movement of, of feminine empowerment. Mm-hmm. Right, it's making a lot more women get more into their masculine energy, and when you get into your masculine energy, and I was talking to my coach about this, my personal trainer, he was telling me how like he gets a lot of dissatisfied women who are really like they're at, at the top of their the pinnacle of their careers, but they just can't find love mm-hmm. because he says his words, not mine. The women women are trying to wear the pants and the skirt in the relationship. And it's great to have masculine energy in your career, but when you come back to your relationship, you know, it, you've got to understand the dynamic that makes it work best. And a lot of women, when they're in their masculine in relationships, they get burned out. Yeah. Well, your trainer is a very wise man. And uh, <laughs> this is actually why I started Clanged. And this whole journey for me began when um, Quasi smoking this, his pipe on the podcast, which is totally cool with us. Um, is it? I'd put it away. No, no, no. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want. I mean, you know, we're just having fun here as friends. Um, yeah. So this whole thing, actually, what you just mentioned, that the more women get into, I don't actually, that's not the right way to say it. The more women get into their power, the more they're masculine. This is not true. What you mentioned is feminine empowerment. I was actually not say feminine, but female empowerment movement that tells women to lean in. Uh, to do, 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 to hustle, to compete with men, to get their seat at the table is obviously amazing because we live in the best time as as today. We live in the best time as women. Women have never had so much opportunity to actually claim their power in the boardroom or at work or whatever. And this in itself is amazing. However, what happens is the more your trainers, right, the more women get into that state or space, the more they get into their masculine, into their head, into that direction, go, 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 do, do, do achievement. And why I started to claim is I saw this pattern that the more successful women become, the more mm-hmm. unhappy they start being in their dynamics with men. And I was wondering why. And this is a, these are exactly my clients. My clients are all successful, mostly single women who are have a lot of trouble in dating, who have a lot of trouble with attracting men who are either emotionally unavailable like not ready for a relationship, ghosting, whatever, or men who are actually in their feminine, how I call it, men who would let you lead, let you make all the decisions, let you make all the money, and you just tell him what to do. And, you know, in the beginning, it might be great because he's such a nice guy, but that's uh, a long-term failure in terms of relationship because you will start respecting him, you'll start uh, stop being attracted to him, and so on and so forth. This was my story when I was almost married to a feminine man. So, um, okay, great. Well, this is the truth. I'm glad that the truth, we're on the same page in terms of what the truth is. And yeah, thanks for accepting my invitation. Now let's go into what I want to talk to you about is obviously we're going to talk about women dating dynamics and relationships, but I want to talk to you about this through your own personal experience as a man, because as I told you in the beginning, before we started recording, I think a lot of women are disillusioned about what it is to be a man today and what are actually the experiences that men have starting from, you know, the moment they hit puberty um, to becoming a man and what their experience is with women. And I teach them this in the program because, as you might know, maybe not, but before this podcast, I used to have 
for about a year or so, another podcast called Men Inside Show, where, and this was actually the beginning of my journeys, understanding men and the male journey. Obviously, my first thing was like discovering polarity. But then I was like, what the hell is this misunderstanding? You know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And I was really curious about, you know, what do men think about this and what is their journey? So I interviewed, you know, over 50 men about okay. their experiences with women and stuff like that. And on this podcast, I also had a series about this. And here I am starting another season where I interview men because one of the biggest, when I work with women, one of their biggest aha moments in the program is actually developing a lot of empathy for the male journey. And I always give this example as women, we are never taught about this and we frankly don't even care because what we do don't even care not because we don't care but because this has never been a thing for us to actually see well what is he feeling and what is his journey so there's a lot of missing knowledge in terms of like rites of passages for men what they think about and stuff like that all we have to do as women is like get pretty put our jewelry on put our high heels and go to the bar and sit like just sit and when women start to really discover or understand, holy shit, what it takes a man, I, and I remember my personal aha moment there, what it, what, what, what it takes to walk across the bar and to ask a woman for her number or to tell her compliment or to try to pick her up, whatever that is, what kind yeah. of a journey that takes to do. And when they discover what role we play as women in a man's uh, becoming a man or what they think about women, it like completely shifts and transforms, at least for me. So the first question I want to ask you, which I used to ask all men that I interviewed is, Kwasi, what do you find attractive in a woman? You can talk about your wife, but you can also talk in general, what do you find attractive in a woman? I find... So it, it, it depends. Like, are you talking about short-term attraction or if I were looking for a potential partner? That's a different question. Okay, well, tell me both because this is a really interesting point you bring. What is the difference? <laughs> so I can tell you when I was single um, and I was looking for short-term, it was just purely looks, right? And it's just, looks are just like a personal preference. But then when you think about like, hey, I want to build something with someone, it no longer becomes a emo- an emotional decision. Now this is a very logical one. Like what partner would complement me and what I want to build well? So these are some of the things I think like everyone needs to think about, especially men too, because a lot of people just jump right into relationships um, without without thinking about when, without thinking about these things. Okay. So in in a long term partner, I would look for like I've always been attracted to women who are more. What's what's a I don't know if I'm using the right word, but more like more of a supporter role, more on the feminine side because I feel like I'm very grounded in my masculine energy, and I like to lead and I like to make decisions and call the shots and be in control. So I need someone who's more feminine who will support me, who will be, be almost like my advisor, you know, someone I can I can collaborate with, but ultimately they would trust in me to make the decisions. I see. So yeah. let's first unpack the short term versus long term because, see, I don't think women think this way. I don't think, I'm sure. Like, women do not think short term, long term. We do not have yeah. that distinction between, like, short term, there's no short term for us. We're always wired to do long term. 
Right. You know, and this is one of the key differences between men and women. Like one of the greatest. I think it's a biological thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, I found the percent. It's evolutionary. Like one of the greatest you know, books that String and I, I'm just finishing it now. It's called Evolution of Desire by David Buss. Amazing book, like required reading for anyone who is a fan of polarity, but wants to understand the origins of, of polarity in general. Down. Yeah. And I'm going to do, I was inspired by you and I'm going to do a review on this book soon, but he talks about, you know, short-term or casual mating strategies versus uh, long-term mating strategies. And I mean, yeah, there are some women who are like, whatever, I just want to have fun and have sex and be single. But most women are not wired this way. It's absolutely biological. It's absolutely evolutionary. And the reason for it is basically, I mean, there's so many things going to it, but if we drill down to it, it comes to parental investment. And that's why I tell women, as soon as you have sex as a woman, this is it, game over, mission attach. Because your body is programmed to attach to the men that you just have sex with because chances of you being impregnated and basically becoming a mother are really, really high. And, you know, all of the uh, conception uh, mechanisms like the pill or the condom or whatever, our bodies did not have enough time to... Um, evolutionary speaking to adapt to this like your body doesn't know that you are taking yep. a pill or using a condom or whatever that's why right. so many women say i can't have sex without feelings where on the male side it's completely different right so i think a woman on like on average parental investment means when a woman is having sex with a man she's taking a huge risk because for really? you to get pregnant and I mean, obviously we can do terminations now, but that's a whole, like, that's a spiral that. But again, your body doesn't understand that. That's Yeah, it doesn't know. So on yeah. average, a woman um, invests about three to four years per child that will take a lot of the tolls and resources and stuff like that. For a man, you can impregnate a woman every day, a couple of times a day. Right? Like in <laughs> so <the sun. laughs> that you, Oh my God. He's, he's had like, what, 800 uh, offsprings or something like that? Maybe there was I found a out a couple of years ago, there's a gene, there's a disease that affects a gene. It's called the Genghis Khan gene. And one third of people have that gene because we all derive from Genghis Khan. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's crazy. I, I find it so interesting when you say short term versus long term, because as women, we don't think about short term because short term no. is extremely risky for us. That's why most women are wired when I have sex, I need to have feelings and I wired to see every man as a long-term opportunity while for you as a man it's not and that's why you're like all right short term it's looks and then long term yeah. i have to be very logical about this i have to so for you you said you know you want to support a role a feminine role and advise a role so i have a couple of questions here and the question is related to how do you see this because i think a lot of women will listen to this and say oh quasi well, yeah, you're a great guy, but you're playing this whole patriarchy role, this whole into this whole patriarchy where uh, men were always on the top and in control and dominating and women were always supporter roles. What if I, as a woman, don't want to be a supporter role and I wouldn't have, let's say, my own business or whatever, whatever? Like, how does that work? Like, how do you see that? Does it mean that your wife, and no judgment here, right? Um, this is all an open conversation. Does it mean that yeah. uh, a, a woman has to be submissive? Does it mean that she's like not making any decisions with you because you said, I like to be in control, I like to lead things forward? How do you look at that? Because 
knowing you and seeing you with your wife, I totally see that polarity there, but she doesn't struck me. I mean, I don't know her very well. I haven't actually, I mean, I've seen a photo of her, but I would assume knowing you that you're not with a woman who's just succumbing to every single decision that you make and oh, submitting yeah. and like, hello, Mr. Quasi, Quasi, um, here's your dinner. How many children would you like to have? You know, like, I don't think your you know wife is wife? like that. How do you know? I don't know. I mean, this is just an yeah, assumption. Just but knowing you, because you're a progressive yeah. guy, I mean, you're a really smart guy in what you do. So tell, tell me about that. How do you see that? Yeah, um, I think there's a difference between, see, I can't find the right word for it. I think the right word would be supporter rather than submissive to like every single will or command that I have. For example, my wife has her own YouTube channel. She has her own business. And I'm always encouraging her to grow her business, right? Like I want her to be successful and I want her to like, to have her own thing. But, you know, it's, it's different <clears throat> when you are in a career versus when you are in the relationship. Do you know what I mean? Just because you, you have to learn to separate these things. Because as human beings, we have different identities at di in different areas of our lives. For example, you are one way with your parents. You're another way with your siblings. You're another way as a, as, a, as a boss in your company. And you're another way with your partner. So it's just learning what's the most effective way to be with the particular partner that you want to build something with. Mm -hmm. And that's why it always begins with looking within like, hey, what do I want for my life? What kind of partner do I envision myself with? And who do I have to be to attract that partner into my life? Right. So that's that's always how it begins, understanding like what we want and who we must become in order to like have that effortlessly be a, a, a neutral, a, a normal in our lives. And so that that begins with a journey of, of like of self-improvement, of self-awareness, understanding yourself, which I don't think a lot of people spend time like no one spends time just sitting alone in a room, just thinking about these things, you know, like, right. what do I really want? That's why they sign up for programs like mine and yours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, can you give me some examples here? Because I think what what you're describing is polarity. Uh, is you know, as most women, you know, I've interviewed thousands. I've talked to thousands of women now, and I've coached hundreds of them. And I'm a woman myself, a feminine essence woman, is what I call. When I ask women, "How do you want to feel in a relationship?" Well, actually, quasi. Let me ask you, and then I'll tell you about this. If I were to ask you, "How do you want to feel in a relationship?" Or in, well, in a relationship, what would you say? I want to feel like I'm a good leader and a good provider. Mm. Why is that important to you? I don't know. It's a good question. You can just Why blame everything on evolution. <laughs> That's the string yeah. does. I'm like, no, that's the easiest way yeah. to do it. Yeah. I'm like, no, but I think it's just yeah. like how, how this, like how my natural tendencies are, like how I've been born, like how I, like, you know, how different kids when they're born, like one kid's hyperactive, the other kid's quiet and calm, and one kid's more analytical, and the other kid's more creative. These are just innate characteristics that were determined by factors that, you know, we don't really know a lot about. So I, I believe that, you know, these are certain traits that I've developed, maybe based on what I've read and heard and the heroes that I looked up to when I was a kid, 
And maybe that's, maybe I've succumbed to the patriarchy. Perhaps. (laughs) Perhaps I have. But, you know, I just, that's what I've always felt. Like, I I need to be in control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, 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 if, if the answer is, I don't know, that's really interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously you can blame it on evolution, but why I ask you this question is, so what do you think women say when I ask them, how do you want to feel in a relationship? I feel like they say they want to feel secure. You want to know the right answer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they say, I want to feel safe. I want to feel safe. Man. I want to feel taken care of. And so it's really interesting because this is the undeniable truth that underneath all the layers of I want to be independent and empowerment and whatever gender, whatever gender discussion, whatever craziness is going on right now, underneath it all, if you ask most women, how do you want to feel in a relationship? They say, I want to feel safe, taken care of. And then the opposite side, when you ask men about how they want to feel in a relationship, most men will say something along the lines of what you mentioned, Quasi, which is I want to be a protector and provider. I want to feel respected, for example. I want to be, you know, a, a good leader and stuff. And so... Where this is coming from, I mean, if you ask me and based on my research and my work, um, it's it's both nurture and nature, but essentially this is polarity at play. It comes from thousands and thousands of years of evolutionary psychology and things like that. And at the bottom of everything is essentially um, parental investment. So let's talk about that journey of, you said, I was born like this, characteristics. I think for you personally, I don't know if this is true, you let me know, but I think because you're an entrepreneur um, yep. and you have that quality of, you know, because entrepreneurs are a different breed, you have that quality of leading, of your self-starter, you motivate, all of that. And perhaps yep. for you, maybe it's easier, although not necessarily, but when you were talking, I was thinking of, okay, well, I guess, because you're saying this is who I am and this is my trade and quality, but this is across the board this is very common for most men, for a lot of men. So I don't necessarily think it's a unique quality that you have about yourself, uh, but it's just oh, oh, man. part of being Here a man. But you, <laughs> but you are an entrepreneur, so I think this definitely plays into that. It's just really interesting uh-huh. how you thought about this as a personal trait that you also bring mm-hmm. into your relationship, which I can totally see why you would think that. What I'm interested in, the first question is, because you know, in my work, I work a lot with reframing limiting beliefs that a lot of women have taken on from the moment they were born to, you know, age of this is where everything starts. And I know you also talk about that probably in your work, yeah. where for the first seven years, we basically absorb all the beliefs. And a lot of these come basically from our parents, you know, how did mom treat dad and stuff like that. So I'm curious if, and you can um, share as much or as little as you want. What is the environment that you grew up in, in terms of your family dynamic, what you've seen? Like, did your dad play that role of a leader and provider? And was your mom playing that supportive role as well? What else have you seen in the community where you grew up with, um, in? And um, I know that you have a different cultural background, so this is going to be really interesting yep. to explore. Hey, girlfriend, before we continue with this episode, I wanted to jump in real quick and share an important message for you. There's a lot of advice out there about dating and relationships, books, experts and gurus, and even your granny has a surefire way to succeed in love. And most of it is complete BS. 
Well, maybe not so much granny's advice. As you may or may not know, I run a transformational 10-week group coaching program called Claim, just like the podcast, that has helped hundreds of women around the world completely change their dating reality with men, where they go from being frustrated and burnt out to actually enjoying dating and starting to attract some amazing men, men who stand strong in their masculinity, who are confident, who court and pursue you and plan and organize and pay for dates, but who are also emotionally available and are ready and willing and again available for a relationship with you and I've developed this program with one thing in mind that you already have everything you need to attract the man in the relationship of your dreams you don't need to change who you are you are not broken you just need to make a few key shifts and they all start from the inside if you're ready to feel that kind of excitement ease and joy in dating and relationships that so many of my clients have experienced and me myself as you know I have attracted my masculine men and now have a family with him I have an invitation for you Work with me and my team to get on the fast track so you can start seeing big changes in your life ASAP. Go to claim.com slash apply to sign up for your free, no catch discovery call or short interview with a member of my team. This will be your chance to experience our approach firsthand and to ask any personal questions you might have about the program and whether this is a good fit for you. It's also going to be our chance to see if we would be a good fit for you because we're not in this and I'm not in this for a quick buck and we don't work just with anyone. We're committed to your success and we want to make sure we can help you to achieve it. The good news is that dating and relationships doesn't have to be this hard. So if you don't want to wait around any longer wondering where are all the good men, if you need an urgent change and are open to receiving personalized help and guidance and want to invest in yourself, then apply for this no catch. There's nothing that you need to give us. It's just a free discovery call for you so you can see whether this is a good fit for you and so they can work on this together. So go to claimed.com slash apply. This will take you to a calendar where you can book your call, answer some short questions, and then we shall see you on the other side. All right, now back to the episode. Yeah, it's funny because in my culture, it is kind of like that, but my parents were never like that. My mom was what raised- What culture is that, Kwasi? For Bangladeshi, those listening. Southeast Asian. Okay, yeah, Bangladeshi, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So when I grew up, I saw my parents kind of like like my parents were very progressive for their time, for like for where they came from. And it's, I think it's hugely because my grandpa on my mom's side, they had only daughters. They had four daughters, no sons, right? And back mm. then, in those times in Bangladesh, it was like, if you had a woman, you're due. If you had a daughter, you're due, right? Because you won't be able to educate them. You know, they'll get married off like when they're young. So what my grandparents decided to do was, you know what? Fuck the norm we're going to raise our daughters like sons. And they educated them. They sent them to the, you know, best schools and, you know, really built that like, hey, independent woman. And so like when I really saw this in my mom, like when she was- So this was, was your mom, uh, one of those four daughters. Your mom is one of those four daughters. Yeah. Yep. Okay. She was the second eldest. Mm-hmm. And what I saw my mom was, she was- like when she had me and then when she had my sister, she used, to, she used to tell me these stories. Like her dad and her mom would be like, hey, why aren't you working? You should be getting back to work ASAP, even though she just had a kid, right? So that's that's the kind of mindset that they were in. So was growing there opportunity? up, I saw my- Sorry to interrupt. Was there opportunity back then for her? Like wh- where would she be working? Because I know she got education probably. So yeah, where yeah, would so- she go to work? My parents were both working in the United Nations. And then my mom stopped working like 
after I was born, and I believe she went back to it like a like a like a few years later. I'm like hazy on the timelines, <laughs> and so she still worked like even a few years ago, but now it's like a more like a temporary contract kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but my dad has always been the consistent, you know, provider. Yeah. You want to call it breadwinner. <laughs> uh, but the dynamic at home, it was it wasn't like you know my my dad like says whatever and like my mom just listens but it was more of a collaborative so sometimes even when i express my views they kind of they're they're kind of like why do you why do you view it like that that's weird we never raised you like that you know like why are you so traditional (laughs) that's interesting it's it's, it's very interesting because i don't think i was influenced a lot by my parents per se but it's like when i got into personal development and i read all of these books about the man's journey like david data you know, um, yes. what's that book? The Way of the Superior yes. Man. So those are some of the books that I read that kind of helped me understand, like, who I need to become as a man to live out my purpose. Mm-hmm. So give me an example of that. Give me an example of a situation where, because I mean, it's amazing. Your, your parents were really progressive in that way. And it was more of a yep. collaboration. And now when you say something or there's a situation, they, they look at you like, this is super traditional, which, you know, yeah. mo- in most cases, the, the dynamic is reversed. The child is a lot more progressive. The parents, are, especially when they still live in, are they still living in Bangladesh? Over no, there? no, no, they're in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're in the US. Yeah. So give me a situation of when, when the, what, give me an example when your parents were like, oh, this is really traditional. Why are you thinking like that? Do you have an example? Um. I don't know. I think I was just saying something jokingly. You know, when you just when you just say stuff like, jo- like I, I'm, I'm the man or something. I decide or yeah, whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Or like you know, the woman's role and the man's role is this, etc. And they're like, "What? Why do you think like that? That's so weird." Like we didn't, you know, we don't think like like you know that that's very uh, a very traditional way of thinking. Mm, yeah, I can see yeah. that. So tell me more about the the mentor, like. What I'm curious about, so here you are growing up in this progressive family where your mother and your dad and in a culture where it's super traditional, but it's almost like your parents or your family has been an anomaly in that sense. And uh, and here you are coming back to these traditions or to, to these roles, to these very traditional roles of masculine and feminine. So, what, so you mentioned David Data. Tell me more about that journey. Tell me more about... Who maybe who else has influenced you? And because you know you can read David Day's book. Yes, of course it resonates. I used to actually send this book to all of my clients. It's it's read for me, and this was the first book that I read, which I call it the Bible of polarity. I mean, David Data is like the guy when it comes to um, polarity. But I'm curious, what was that for you? Where that felt true? And maybe tell me more about that journey, or the mentors, or the books, and why why was that so like? Okay, I I need to be the man, you know. Well, why is that so important to be essentially to be playing that protector provider role? It all started when I got my heart broken. <laughs> all right, well, for real. Yes, for real. How it's old like, are you? I feel like in, I was uh, I was in college, like when I experienced my first real heartbreak, and that's when I seriously started to get into personal development, and mainly in the form of dating and becoming like. I think it was pickup that I got into. Uh-huh. And that was my in into personal development. So when I started to pick learn up? about pickup. Explain and- to the women. Because you have no idea, Quasi. Most women would not even know what pickup. They they would be sure. I, like, I remember I found out that like, what? 
men go and yeah. like Google how to pick up women and go into these societies and read the game. I was like, holy oh, shit, yeah. this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell me a bit, a bit more about that. So pickup is literally the art of learning how to best pick women up. That, so like ask for their number, get a date, get much. into it's bed like, with them. You know, yeah. You, you go to a bar or maybe you're at a library. What's the best way to approach this woman and like strike up a conversation without being weird or being creepy and, you know, f find a successful mate that way. No one teaches you this stuff. Uh -huh. Like you literally never learn it anymore. And back in, especially with the rise of social media, internet and uh, mobile phones, a lot of people just forgot the simple art of going up to a stranger and striking up a conversation and it just became a very taboo thing to do like oh don't talk to people in a public setting yeah like don't approach with you know this whole I, thing about yeah, men approaching approach women. women like if you get rejected that's the worst thing your social status gets like everyone will laugh at you everyone will like you're going to embarrass yourself so a lot of men just don't do that <laughs> so before and i continue quasi, i'll i'll interrupt you yeah. for a second because this is a really important moment for all the women listening to understand. So I love this story. You had a very serious breakup and this is what led you into first did the pickup industry and personal. This was the pickup, funny enough, the pickup industry, the pickup world was your way into personal growth, which is which is very common. Now, if you rewind, one of my questions for you and what I'm gonna ask all men, because this is important for men to understand, if you rewind, tell me about the time that you remember as a teenager when you hit puberty. How was the journey and experience for you in terms of girls? Like, because, you know, from my experience and what I read and talked to men, it's like as soon as you start getting hard and start getting attracted to women, it's like, all right, game on. Like, this is all you think about. Probably when you're 16, you wake up with, how's that called? Like, coming ejaculation, whatever. You know, like, it's crazy. Wet dreams. Wet dreams, right? So, uh, I mean, you don't need <laughs> How is that cool? <laughs> I need to know. You know what this episode is going to be called? Quasi's Wet Dreams <laughs> with Hunter <laughs> Roma. <laughs> oh, oh my man. god! But why? Would it, well, don't talk. No, don't tell me about your wet dreams. I don't know about that. But why I'm bringing this up is because women do not know this, and we, of course, from a female side, obviously, we're coming to puberty. Our period starts and. There's a lot of like taboos and misconceptions about that and, you know, conversation about nobody talked to me about sex, right? But from a yep. man's perspective, from what I read and I know, because I talk to men, it's a completely different journey when, you know, like you, you have these wet dreams and you start to be really attracted to girls and all you think is sex. All you think is sex pretty much and how to just have sex with girls. <laughs> so- yep. Tell me a little bit about that. How was that for you? And then I guess it led to that breakup where you realized, okay, I'm doing something wrong. What has happened here? And this transformation to what I know from men who get into pickup are usually the men who don't have a lot of success with women. And they're like, all right, how do I fix this? How do I become the guy that all girls are attracted to? Right? So tell me a little bit yeah. about that. And then we'll continue with your pickup and personal growth. Wait, so what was your question? Like, what was my journey like my, during puberty? Yeah, what my question is, like, 
tell me about that moment where you remembered like, you know, being obsessed about sex maybe or about girls and then, you know, ending yeah. up maybe in a relationship with a girl and she broke your heart or like, were you the, were you the shy guy who did not like, not the popular kid or whatever? Like, tell me about that. How was that experience for you when you were a teenager, pretty much? I was a complete loser by <laughs> like hypergamy standards like what men are supposed to be, what the epitome of like a highly valuable social status man is, right? And it all started like in in later of middle school slash beginning of high school. Uh, when I was in the UK, I was like bullied. I was kind of hideous looking and I had like crooked teeth and I was just like deeply insecure. And I would always look at these popular kids who were just hanging out and I was always uh, isolated because I was bullied. I was cast out. I was basically an outcast. And my first in into like um, personal development was uh, training, was going to the gym. I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm really scrawny. I'm gonna gain some muscles and then maybe girls will like me. And then my mom, I begged my mom to get me braces to fix my teeth. Cause I thought if I got my teeth fixed, I would all of a sudden become this attractive guy. So in my mind, I built this up this when I was This was in like, high um, school? How old were you? Yeah, yeah, I was like 13, 14 years old, like literally pub prime puberty time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get braces. And then after I take them off, I'm going to be this great guy. And all throughout, like I was picked on, I had zero friends. I would eat my lunches alone. I would, I was like pretty much suicidal, like, cause I just moved from Africa to England. And, you know, my parents, I was in Africa for a year because my parents worked for the UN. And then I moved to the UK and then started like, uh, sixth grade, seventh grade equivalent in America. And uh, for the first two years, I had no friends. And then I got braces. And then once they took the braces off, because I built it up in my mind that I would be this attractive guy, I literally started to become more confident. With straighter teeth, I started to like assert myself in different situations. Um, and then, you know, when I started to train and, and, and became a lot more muscular or I felt better about my, I started to feel better about myself. My self-image started to change. And so that was my in into like this world, but I still like didn't really know how to talk to women or like, you know, didn't have any sort of intimate experiences with women like 12, 13. And then high school, I came to the US in New York. I went to this like private school and all of a sudden, because I came from the UK and I like kind of dressed okay, I was like looking into fashion and stuff. I was like a diff, I was treated differently. You know, like they didn't know who I was. They thought I was this cool British kid from England. And it was just completely new to me. Dang. And I tried so hard to like maintain that social image. You know, I started to like smoke cigarettes because that's what the cool kids did. Um, and then I started hanging out with like the, the wrong crowd who like did drugs and stuff. But I didn't obviously do any of that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but um, even then, like I didn't have a lot of experience with with like women. But then when I went to college, that's and was when it, it important, Sergeant, or was it important to have it? Like, tell me what, what was your thought process about girls? Like, I mean, it's kind of obvious to say that you were interested in girls and stuff, but how much of yeah. that was consuming your life or your day-to-day -day kind of, or your identity as, as, a, <clears throat> as a young man? Oh, like 25 hours of the day. <laughs> Like all the time you're thinking about girls. Yeah. But it's like I would suppress it and play video games because I was like, ah, oh, there's 
you know, no way I'm, I'm not taking a risk and putting myself out there because I just gotten this social image, you know, and I don't want to like, I don't want to fuck it up. I don't want to embarrass myself by trying to like, and what, you know, get a girl's attention or something. What was that? Was that pure sex or did you crave intimacy or did you want love? Like what was the driving force at that time? I just wanted a girlfriend. Why? Um, Because I wanted to know what it, what it felt like to to have like, uh, have a partner, I guess. Back in back in high school, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was cool to have a girlfriend, and you wanted to. It was cool to have a girlfriend, but also it's like, I've never had one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wonder what it would be like. Yeah. So you get yeah. into college, and what happens then? <clears throat> um, I get into college, and then I pretty like I didn't have like that tough of a time in the U.S. because by U.S. objective standards, by then I was like. I was nearing the end of puberty and I was like pretty attractive. But then I met this one girl who, you know, I was like obsessed with and I put her on a pedestal. And when you put people on a pedestal, they have no choice but to look down on you. I would like immediately respond to her messages. She was like this, this beautiful, like, you know, Czech Republican, like model looking girl. She watches this. I'll be shook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is like years ago. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I was just like head over heels. I was like, oh, you know, I, 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 I want her to be my girlfriend, like, et cetera. And then she kind of pushed me away. Like she just stopped talking to me and hanging out with me. And like, and that's when I was like, you know, this sucks. I need to do something about this. And that's when I started to come across, like, I think I started to look up, like how to become more attractive. But you were already attractive, and, just and not attractive enough for girls like her. Yeah, yeah. I think I was looking up like how to be attractive to women or how to get girls, like how to dress. And then like on YouTube, something came up and it was from this company called Real Social Dynamics. Uh-huh. That's what String yeah, got sucked and they into were... as well. Right. And then they were teaching like, like pickup and they literally straight up had groups like telegram chats of people in different countries and places who would meet up together to like go, go to bars together and like basically pick up women and I met like a really cool dude in there because there's there was like lots of cool guys in there who were like very successful but they just had no idea what to do with women (laughs) they were making a lot of money they just didn't know how to like so let me ask you this how How many men uh, you'd say on average like think about your circle of 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 guys right like friends guy friends um what would you say on average is the percent like how many of these men into percentage wise actually get into pick up I would say very few, very few. Mm. I would say in my circle, maybe, well, here's the thing. The people I'm friends with, I'm friends with because we have similar interests, right? Right. So I would be biased in saying like, yo, most of my friends know about this stuff. But the average guy, I would say they have no clue. They have zero clue about what any of this stuff is. And they just keep on herping and derping through life, like hoping one day they'll brush shoulders with a girl and that'll become their wife or something. And so they come from a place of scarcity. They pick the first girl they can get, and they're like, that's my wife. Right. I couldn't what do, do any think, better, that's all. What, is the, what do you think is the difference between guys who actually decide, okay, I got to figure this out because this is like, I can't do this. I got to figure out how to get even more confident with better women's stuff and guys who don't. What's the difference? The difference is we make a conscious choice about the relationships that we get into because we have abundance we can pick and choose who we want to get into a relationship with and so we don't have regrets afterwards we don't say hey oh i wish i got with this girl 
because I know in my mind when I think about that, I know it's going to lead to a dead end. It, you know, like it's not going to contribute to like what I want to build with a potential partner. So I will have no remorse because this is what I chose. And I chose this from a place of like pure, like I had all of the options available to me. This, I made a conscious decision to choose this person to spend the rest of my life with. I think that's the difference because I feel like a lot of men, why there's so much cheating, why there's so much like such high rates of divorce. They get with their high school sweetheart or the first person they found. And, you know, they weren't even at the age where they could make that choice. They couldn't make a conscious decision. Right. So it's a very powerful position to be in um, as, a, as a man, obviously, and as a, as, as a human, right? And that's why I am so passionate about the work that I'm doing with women, because it's exactly what we're working on as a woman also from our side, right? Like a lot of women just fall into. And I agree with you. I think the divorce rate is so high and cheating. What people don't know, I mean, most people don't know themselves well, well enough to make a conscious choice about what you want in a partner, who you need to become, and having an abundance of choices that then you can choose from. Most of them just fall into a default, into relationship, marriage, kids, and it's like shit. We're now fat, sitting on the couch. Our life is a mess. Or, yeah. I mean, you don't need to be fat for your they life to be a mess. They that regret, you know? Yeah. And like, they just become suppressed and they become dull. They have no passion for life anymore. Yeah. So to conclude, because we're coming to the end of our dis- uh, uh, wed- quasi's wet dreams uh, discussion. So... You went into the pickup industry and you said, I mean, yeah. I don't know what your opinion is, but but I guess we can agree that uh, sooner or later, every man kind of realizes that that's actually, you know, I mean, there's a lot of manipulation techniques and shit, and that's actually not how you attract your wife, yeah. you know? Um, so to summarize and to bring to the conclusion, tell me how, what I'm curious about is how did this pickup industry then lead you into personal growth and ultimately for you to, to, to choose your wife and to meet your wife and then obviously get married and create a family. Yeah, so in when I was in that, I was fortunate enough to learn pickup from people with good intentions, I guess. Uh, and they were talking about lots of different books like meditation. Uh, they were talking about like Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. And I started to read those books and I was and I already had an interest, like I had somewhat of an interest that there was something beyond this material existence. And that's how I got into what I'm doing right now because I was so passionate about it. Uh, and I, f- I feel like reading all, a lot of that stuff and understanding that stuff and also the background kind of like, I was blessed to have really great parents and being in a great family setting, that kind of purified my intentions. And if you give someone with pure intentions the right tools, they can make a positive impact on the world. I always, I always believe that. Yeah, and then tell me about your wife. How'd you meet your wife? Oh, you really want to get into that? Uh, we've got two minutes. I'm not sure. <laughs> but long story short. I'll keep it short. Yes. I'll keep it short. So in, <clears throat> we both went to the same college. She's a year younger than me. So I was a senior at the time. She was a junior. And in Boston, like in BU, there's this metro, like this tram. It's called the T. And, you know, every day after class, I get on the T because I live off campus. One day, I get on and swipe my card. I start walking and all of a sudden I see this beautiful blonde girl and I have, I'm, I'm a sucker for blondes. I don't know why evolution, I'll blame it on that. Um, you blame everything and, on evolution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I literally become tunnel vision and I'm like, I got to go talk to her. And she had like her headphones on and I just literally walked up to her and I was like, take them off. 
Hi, I'm Quasi. Nice to meet you. Wow. What kind of drugs do you do? I was literally like, I was just like, how can I be, you know, as how can I make this as fun as possible? And then she just started laughing. And then we exchanged Instagrams and then one thing led to another. Now we're you. Wow. Amazing. Um, and you've yeah. been married for three and a half years. Yeah. 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 Well, your she wife. She was my first ever girlfriend, by the way. Oh, First really? ever serious girlfriend. That's amazing. And then yeah. you ended up with, with a wife. I mean, kudos to you for actually taking the, I mean, th to most women, this would be very attractive if a man would come in, take your headphones out and be, I mean, if a guy that you like and he does it with taste, I could totally see why um, your wife fell for you. Well, unfortunately, Kwasi, we're going to finish now, uh, but I Oh, man, am... we're just getting to the good stuff. Oh, what's the good stuff? All right, you got 30 no, seconds. Kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure you got a lot of juicy stories there for us, but um, look, I really appreciate you coming. I definitely got to know you a little bit better. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your your journey with us. And I'm sure a lot of women listening, I mean, there there's so many nuggets of, I guess, wisdom and just getting to know you and how your journey was. So thanks for sharing with us. And um, I'll give you a chance as usual for everybody who wants to get to know you a little bit better and maybe get into this reality creation stuff. Um, tell us where they can find you. Uh, you can go to YouTube. Just type my name, Quasi Joe here, or you can just type realitycreator.com. That's our website. Nice. All right. Thanks so much, Quasi. Thank you for having me. All right, beautiful woman. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please, please leave a review. This is super helpful for me, for the podcast. And this is a time to give back, to leave a review, share this episode with your girlfriend who really wants to hear it. And you can also find me on Medium and YouTube at Anna Rova, where I share pretty much very similar content and where we change the world one embodied woman at a time. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for being here with me today.